Good. There it is. Hi, everyone. Now, have we done this yet? Thanks for waving, Madeline. I really appreciate it. There's another Madeline right behind you. She didn't wave. But have we waved at each other yet? Have we done the awkward hellos? No. Let's do that. Turn around. Say hi to somebody. Hi. 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 It's okay. It's okay to say hello. Don't be afraid of the masked man sitting in the corner over there. His daughter was in the video with my son, so that was, that was adorable. Uh, my, my son Judah thinks he's going to be a YouTube star. No, seriously, he took the uh, camera into the bathroom, which is usually a weird thing to do uh, if you're an adult, but last night he took the camera into the bathroom and asked us to hit record, and so we did, and then I stood out the door listening, and he goes, hey guys, remember our last show? And I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, at one point in his life, he did say, if you like us, subscribe. And I'm like, oh dear, what have we raised? But hey, if, he, if we can make him a, 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 what is it, you make it so he makes money on YouTube and he gets a certain amount of YouTube views and then he, I'm fine with that, I'll exploit him. But anyway, hey, we've been in Exodus, which is a great book of the Bible, it's one of my favorites, and uh, we've been looking at... Uh, the people of Israel, along with our story of Lent, it, it coincides with what the people of Israel were up to. Now, if you remember their story, we're going to recap a little bit. Remember, they were in Egypt for how long? You remember? 432. Maybe your mask was keeping you down. 432 years. Okay. In Egypt for 432 years, someone came and got them out named Moses. And in between that time, the people of Israel in essence, forgot who their God was. And as they're coming out of Israel now, or coming out of Egypt, the nation of Israel is relearning who Yahweh is, who God is. And as they're relearning, they're learning how to interact, and they're also learning how powerful and approachable this God of theirs is. And so they're learning all sorts of new things. Remember last week we talked about how they were grumbling because they, they, they just, they missed Egypt. They missed slavery. And how sometimes in the ordinary day-to-day, -day, your mind tends to go back and desires bondage because it's what you're used to. And they're learning how this God of massive miracles can still be God in the ordinary. Today, I want to look at the next lesson that Israel's having to learn. And when we look at this passage in Exodus 16, primarily when we look at it and we say, oh, the people were grumbling. They're bad. They shouldn't have grumbled. But when you look at it in the context of the people of Israel, their grumbling made a lot of sense. They'd never been to do anything like this. And you and I grumble when we hit a red light too many times. And so they're grumbling. 45 days later, they're grumbling. We would grumble too. Let's cut them some slack. We would grumble. And their grumbling here is, in a way, okay, because they're grumbling against Moses because they didn't know any better. It says in the beginning part of Exodus 16, they grumbled against Moses and Aaron because they thought Moses and Aaron brought them out of Egypt. That's not true. They quickly learned that it was God who brought them out of, of Egypt. And later, like next chapter, they grumble again. So grumbling is an issue. They didn't get in trouble for this one. The next time there's going to be some consequences because then they start grumbling or as uh, Exodus and then later Jesus puts it, they start testing God. And so this is, that's the difference here. But here, they're learning who this God is. And so it's their first time, okay? It's their first time having to do something with this God called trust. How many of you trust something? 
please, let's not like, okay, y'all have some kind of trust in something, okay? You think that's, you, you have peace that when you get in your car and shut the door, it's going to be fine. And hopefully, unless it's your car, Dylan, you turn the, you turn the key and it's going to start. You trust that. That's, that's trust. It's this blind faith that this will happen the way you said it was to happen. And so here you have the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. They don't know God, and it's important that you know this. They don't have a relationship with God yet. They have to learn how to trust him. And so here's what you see God doing, and this is one of the most beautiful pictures we see of God, and it happens all through Scripture. God doesn't stand back and say, trust me with everything you have right now. No. Instead, God goes to them where they are in the middle of their grumbling, in the middle of their bad attitudes, and meets them right where they are and says, trust me in the small way first. We'll get to the trust me with your entire life down the line, but right now, trust me with the little things, and then we'll build up. This is the beauty of what God does, and he does it with us too. The writer John says this in his first chapter of the Gospel of John, cleverly named. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. One author had said that he became one of us in order for him to show us how to get to him. He met us where we are. That's the thing of what God does for us. He meets us where we are. And that's what's happening in the desert with these Israelites. God comes to them and begins that trust process with them. And we see, we see this when uh, the way that God provided for them every morning and every night. God is not just the God of the ordinary. Today I want to look at the God who is trustworthy. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, you could, you could take them out, it's fine. We're going to be in Exodus 16. We're going to start in verse 11. Okay, the Lord said to Moses, that's verse 11. If you want to memorize a Bible verse today, the Lord said to Moses. There you go. You memorized the Bible verse today. Verse 12, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat. Yes. And in the morning, you'll be filled with bread, bread and meat. This is great. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God that evening. Quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. I like to think of frosted flakes. Okay, yummy. Uh, when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. And then Moses said to them, this is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what, this is what the Lord has commanded. Every one of you, is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person in your tent. Now, each person in your tent gets an omer. An omer is about three pounds. Can y'all eat three pounds of bread in one, in one day? Atkins wasn't a thing yet, right? Low-carb diets, not a thing. Three pounds of bread. So each one of you persons in your tent, take one omer. Now remember, this is all in response to the Israelites complaining that they were hungry. They wanted to go back to Egypt for the predictable. But there's two needs that God is meeting right here. The first need is the need for food. They're hungry. Basic, everyday needs. Food. 
We're going to give you your every day. The second need that they needed to come, to come to terms with was the need to trust. Here's what I mean. The manna came every morning. The quail came every night. They were to go and they were to take what they needed for that day only. Here's the instruction. Moses said this in verse 19. No one is to keep any of it until morning. Instruction's clear. In fact, if you look in Hebrew, it's really strange. It says this. We don't have Tupperware or refrigerators on this trip. Please don't hold leftovers. Okay? This is what he's saying. You don't need to take stuff for tomorrow. That'll come. Trust me that I'll take care of tomorrow. What you're supposed to do is take what you need for today. It seems like a strange rule, right? I go to Costco. I live by a Costco now. It's a dangerous store to live next to. Do you know how easy it is to buy bulk, last me for six months, cans of beans? Super easy. It only costs $16. Everything in Costco is either $19.99 or $16.99. I've, I've learned their pricing schemes. But, and, but it's so easy. We buy bulk. Why? So we don't always have to go out to the store. Israelites were supposed to do this. Don't go out and collect enough to last you a month. Go out and collect you enough to last you that day. Question, wouldn't it be easier for you to collect everything you needed for the next two months? Absolutely. Practically, let's look at this. They're traveling in the wilderness. They're essentially backpacking. Do you want to lug around a bunch of food while backpacking? Hikers in the room, do you do that? No. You take exactly what you need. The people of Israel, take what you need. The other thing, practically, trust God with tomorrow. He wants Israel to understand that they no longer have to live in survival mode. They no longer have to think that this is their last meal like it was back in Egypt. It, it, it says back in 16.4, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread for heaven for you. The people are to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them to see if they follow my instructions. God is doing something with them. It's a test. Now, when you hear the word test, how many of you think pass, fail, I'm in trouble? Yes, me too. I'm terrible at tests. But here's what God's saying. It's not a test that's going to get you in trouble. It's a test that sees where you are in your trust level with him. I'm testing your trust, not so that I can condemn you, but so that I can see where you are. It's not a mean test like I had in biology in high school. It's a test to see your progress. We recently moved and I had to start a new gym, which is fun. Uh, and... and this, this is the kind of test that happened. Now, I like to lift heavy things, okay? But I walk into this gym. They don't know who I am. They don't know that I can lift this much, squat this much. They don't know me, and I don't know them. So I walk in. I say, my name is Brad. Here's my receipt. May I go join the class now? They don't just say, yeah, go ahead, free reign. That would be pretty dumb on their end because I can easily hurt myself if I just faked it, Right? So what's the coach do? The whole class, he's standing right in front of me. He's trying to be slick about it, but he's watching me. He's watching how I lift. In essence, he's testing me. And when he sees that during the warm-ups that, oh, he knows what he's doing with the bar, which I think I do. He knows what he's doing with this weight. He has the form. 
he's testing, and when he sees that I've passed the test, he can back off. That's the kind of test that's going on here. It's a test that wants to see what you're doing. Not a pass-fail, but a progress. This is what God's doing with Israel. I'm testing you. Every morning we're going to have this test. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Today, you did. Tomorrow, we're going to have this test again. Do you trust me? Okay, let's keep moving. Little by little, and most of the people passed. Most of the people go out and they take what they need and they come back. Some of the people, however, says this in verse 1620. However, some of them paid no attention to the rules that Moses said, and they kept part of it until morning. And the next day it was full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Some of them failed the test. Their trust level wasn't there yet. And they learned their lesson. It was full of maggots. It was gross. They had to wait until dinner in order to get food now. Moses wanted them and God wanted them to say, trust me with the everyday first. Now, were the people that were killed, or the, were the people killed? Wow, hold on. that's later in Exodus. <laughs> were the people who failed the test, were they drug out of the camp and killed? No. Were they shamed? No. Were they forced to go back to Egypt and be a slave? No. Nothing happened to them. Moses was angry with them. He was disappointed. He was displeased. All that happened to them was, Wow, I think I learned my lesson. If I don't trust God, everything that I took the next, for the next day and kept in our igloo box is going to go rancid and full of maggots. Maybe next time I'll trust God, and now I won't have to deal with that smell. In other words, you don't trust me with the last day. That's okay. Trust me with the next one. Let's try again tomorrow. Trust me with the next one. God is helping the Israelites learn something. Now, I have a little one named Caleb. Some of you saw him messing with the camera earlier. Uh, we have this thing when, when he gets a new diaper, because of various reasons. Uh, he, we change him, and then I stand him up on the, on the table. It's a dresser that we put a pad on. I stand him up. He likes to look out and see if there's anyone's playing in the street, because he, he likes to wave. And when there's not, he'll turn, and he'll just jump, Right? The dresser's about this high, and he'll jump into my arms. It's a game we play. It didn't always start like that. Okay, once he was able to stand up, we started it. I'd put him on top of the dresser, and I'd say, come on. And he'd look at me, and the first couple times, he wouldn't do it. And then he started just to fall forward, and it was like, it was like a, that big of a fall, the Child Protective Services, not a big deal. It was just that big. And he would fall and I would catch him and then I'd lift him up and we'd have a good time. And then as his trust began to get more and more, I'd take a step back and I'd put my hands out and he'd fall again. What was I doing? I was building, I was having fun because changing diapers is, is terrible. But I was having fun with him at the same time he's learning something about me. That if I can catch him when the fall is this far. Now I can stand back a couple feet, sorry, Carrie, and I can say, jump, and he'll jump. Oftentimes, he's not even, I'm not even ready for him, and he jumps, and it's like I catch him like this, and like, yay, you did it. Don't do that again, kid. But he's learned something. 
He's learned very, very small steps in that I have the ability to catch him. This is what's happening with the Israelites. Very, very small steps. God's going to catch me. I can trust him with breakfast the next morning. God's going to catch me. I can trust that this three pounds of bread, seems like a lot of bread, is going to last me until I can have my quail that night. God's going to catch me. And it's going to happen again tomorrow. And after you take a couple steps and you go through Monday, Tuesday, and now it just comes naturally. Tomorrow, God's going to provide. Pretty soon, God's going to ask them, now that you've seen I can, you can trust me with everything, trust me with your life. You see, it starts out small. Trust God. See that he's trustworthy. See that he's able to, to, to help you. Trust with the little things. Because once you're able to trust with the little things, you're able to trust with the big things. God meets you right where your trust level is. Now, perhaps you've had a hard time trusting. You've had some things happen in your life where you have a difficult time putting faith in another person. That's normal. That happens. And I'm sorry it's happened to you. It's probably happened to every single one of us at some point in our lives. Someone's hurt us. Therefore, we can't trust. It's okay. It doesn't mean you'll never trust again. It means that God comes and meets you in that place where your trust has been broken and says, let's start over, huh? Let's get you to fall this far. And let me remind you that my arms are strong enough to carry you when you end up having to trust me with this far and this far and further and further. And what you, what you come to find is that God's arms are strong enough. So it might start with something like this. It seems silly, right? God, I'm trusting you that I can find a, a parking spot at the mall at Christmas time. We all chuckle. Sometimes we need a parking spot up close for various reasons. God, I'm trusting you with this conversation that I'm about to have with my boss. Because they can be a jerk. I'm trusting you with this. Next step, God, I'm trusting you with this presentation. Lord, I'm trusting you with my money. I'm trusting you with my marriage. I'm trusting you with my parents. I'm trusting you in finding a home. I'm trusting you in putting my life back together. I'm trusting you in mending my broken heart. I'm trusting you in finding that new job. Do you see how it can be a progression? Start small. Have a hard time trusting in God? Start small. Eventually, you'll find that you can trust God with everything. The Apostle Paul found this out. Paul finds everything out, right? So Paul's writing in Philippians, and he's writing this letter back, thanking the Philippians. He talks very sweetly to them. It's beautiful. And at the end of Philippians, he's telling them how much he's able to trust that God will supply everything that he needs. He says that God has given me strength to endure all the stuff that I've had to go through, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the abandonment, the stoning, everything. God has given me the strength to supply all of this. And now he wants them to realize that they can trust in the same God he's trusted in. And he writes this in Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So he's saying trust God 
with everything you need. He's proved faithful to me. He'll prove faithful to you. But it all begins with this small step of trust. The small lean forward like Caleb. He'll catch you. Once you build your trust in God's catching abilities with the small things, it'll be a lot easier to build your trust to catch you with the big things. The same arms that defeated death are the same arms that are ready to catch you. Paul says this in Ephesians 1.19. The power is the same as the mighty strength. In verse 20, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. The same God who beat death, the same God who beat sin, is the one saying, take a step. I got you. Take a step. Not only are God's arms ready and willing, they're strong enough to catch us. And those very arms, once we learn to trust in those arms, will offer us one more thing. Because trust isn't just, okay, I trust, now what? Trust leads to something. And in this text, trust leads to the ability to rest. How many of you are exhausted? Yes, it's okay. Maybe you're too tired to raise your hand. We're exhausted. The ability to trust in God to provide everything you need will lead to rest. What we learn to trust, when we learn to trust, we learn to rest. Here's what happens in verse 21, Exodus 16. Each morning, everyone gathered all that they needed. And when the sun grew hot, they sipped their coffee and it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers per person, six pounds of bread per person on the sixth day. For them, that was Friday night. So on Friday night, go out, gather twice as much as you need. In other words, gather stuff for Friday and gather stuff for Saturday. Why? Here it is. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow, which would be their Saturday, is to be a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you will bake and boil what you will, what you will boil. Save whatever is left to cover you until the next morning. Now imagine this. Again, put yourself into the Israelite shoes. For 430 years, all you have known is that you are defined by what you do. You are defined by what you can make. You are defined by the amount of bricks that you can stack in order to make whatever the Egyptian overlords are wanting to make. You are defined by how well you take care of your master's possessions. The better you work, the harder you work, the more valuable you are. This is the mindset that they have. And their entire lives have been like this. Not only their lives, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents. They worked, and their value is dependent on their work. So here comes this idea. You mean to tell me that on Saturday morning... I don't work? And they've never heard of this concept. You want me to rest? But my value is depending on how much I can gather. If I don't gather, I'll starve. Do you sense that you can see how they would panic, right? Because if I don't get enough, I don't have enough. And if I don't have enough, my family doesn't have enough, and we're done. God says, look, I'm changing something with you. I want you to bring I want to bring you to this realization through trusting me that you're not defined by your quota. 
You don't have, you can rest in the fact that it's not how much you make that gets approval. God wants them to understand that he is going to supply this. They need to learn to rest. Their significance isn't tied to their work. Their significance is tied to the God who rescued them, the God who called them, the God who brought them out of Egypt and now is showing them not only this, I'm a God you can trust. I'm a God that's going to show you how you're supposed to live. We're not supposed to live every day being defined by how hard we work. Hard work is good. God works. Six days he works. The seventh day he rested. It says though in Genesis, Genesis 2, but by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from, from all the work of the creating that he had done. God was showing them, this is how you are to be humans. But, only, but in order to fully rest, you have to fully trust, right? Because I have to have the ability to say, I'm going to take this and I'm going to sleep in on Saturday. Why? Saturday's taken care of. But if I don't, if I'm panicking, I'm going to wake up early on Saturday and go out there and try and gather things, and then there's going to be nothing. On the sixth day, in Exodus, back to Exodus 16, on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported back to Moses, gathered twice as much. That's what they did. It worked. They gathered on the sixth day, and they, guess what? On the seventh day, it didn't go bad. It worked. They trusted God with this. God had been building their trust. Monday, you have food. Tuesday, you have food. Wednesday, you have food. Thursday, you have food. Friday, twice as much. Saturday, food. Oh my gosh, this God is trustworthy. Do you see how God is building this? And then they see that God is trustworthy. They can go, he will provide all of our needs. It seems easy, right? God will provide what you need. There's a track record here. God has done this. God has done this in the past. If he did it on Monday, he's going to do it twice as good on Friday, and we're going to make it. Even though I didn't gather enough, God will take care of me. Verse 18, and when they measured it by the omer, when the one who gathered much, they didn't have too much. And the one who gathered little didn't have too little. Here's the thing. God gave everyone who had gathered just as much as they had needed. So the worry of, did I gather enough for my whole family to eat for two days? We'll see. You had enough. Maybe I gathered too much and we're going to have maggots and it's going to go rancid. I'm going to have to sweep out the tent. Nope. You had just enough. Do you see that? God took care of them and everything. Not only does God provide, therefore I can rest, but God rested Therefore, we can rest too. It says, if God says manna and quail every day of the week, but not on Saturday, it's the, it's the very first Chick-fil-A policy, right? Not on Sunday. Wouldn't it be weird if on Saturday they were really quake, craving to go out and get manna and quail in the morning, but they couldn't? Because it's on Sunday that we usually, well, I do, 
I crave Chick-fil-A on Sundays, and I can't have it because they're resting. Are we with me? Just me? Okay. God said, I don't work on Saturday. It's just the way it is. Not on Saturday. So the people go out, and they see not only are we supposed to rest, but God rested. And if God rested, then I can rest. Because if he thinks everything's okay, I think we're going to be okay. Right? Yesterday, uh, we went, we, one of our things that we do is we go up to the Edmonds Ferry, we walk on, and then we go to Kingston. And there used to be a donut shop there, but it's under some weird things right now. But we walk up to a playground, and the boys are all excited because they get to ride on a boat, they get a donut, and there's a swing set. I mean, it's the best thing ever. Uh, and so then we try and catch the right ferry back so we can be home by nap time for me. And, uh, and so we, we, we get back, and I'm looking at the, my watch, and Carrie, what time do you want to head home? And we look, oh, man, we better get moving. So we pack up. And we're walking, and Judah, the movie star, he, he starts freaking out. Dad, hold my backpack. God, take my mask off. Hold this, do this, do this. And he starts running. And we're like, Judah, what's your problem? And the kid's fast, right? And so he takes off running, and he goes, I don't want to miss the ferry. And he's freaking out, okay? And he, and he goes, buddy, we're okay. We have 20 minutes to walk a 15-minute walk. We're going to be fine. Okay, and he walks with us for a little bit, and then pretty soon you see him start to tense up. Dad, I got to go, and he starts running, right? And then and, and he, Judah, we're going to be fine, and just relax, bud, we're going to be fine. And then we get to the part where you could see the terminal, the walkway to go up to walk on, and they're still loading cars on. We have a good seven minutes. We could have stopped and had lunch. And so we're, we're, we're watching all this, and then he starts to, like, tear up. The kid is stressed out. He doesn't want to miss the ferry because he doesn't like to wait. But he doesn't want to miss this ferry. And, and, and Carrie and I look at him and, and independently, I didn't know she said this, but I said the same thing. Judah, am I stressed? No. Then why are you? Why are you stressed? I, I don't know. Okay. If I'm not stressed, you don't need to stress, okay? Okay. It was here where I realized that all of us adults are really just five-year-olds with a better grip on our emotions, right? <laughs> it's true. We all are, okay? Judah freaking out because we might miss the ferry. What do I say? Hey, if I'm not stressed, you don't need to stress. This is what God's doing in, in Exodus. Hey, if I can rest and I hold the universe in the palm of my hand, if I can rest on Saturday, so can you. Who do you think you are that you need to work when God doesn't? Right? Trust me. Take a break. Trust me that I'm going to supply everything that you need in order that you will survive for that next day. And I'll do it again tomorrow. 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 The next day, the next day, the next day. Mercies, David says, are new every single morning. Back to back, you can trust me. I will not fail you. I will not leave you. How many times does God say that in the Bible? Many times. You can trust me. I'm not going to ditch you. 
Says it to Joshua, I'm not going to ditch you. Says it to David, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. Jesus says it to his disciples in John 13, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. You can trust me. You know, I saw Judah go through that, and I think that it hit me. Man, I have a hard time trusting. Last month, we moved into a new home. It's the, it's, it's the, well, I'll be honest with you, it's, it's more expensive than we've ever paid for rent, and I'm just, just a little bit worried that we aren't going to be able to swing it, okay? This is me being real, and we're like, how is this going to work? I have no idea. And so for the first few nights, I'm freaking out, wondering why unpack? We're just going to have to get move out soon, and I'm not able to what? Rest. I'm worried about this. I'm a worrier. It happens. But we love this new place. And so with this, I don't want to leave. It's been great. The newness was scary for me. And I kept thinking there's no way we're going to be able to stay here. But there's some, there was something in me that I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would be stressed. But then something had, had said to me, hey, Brad, you've got to learn how to trust. You're going to be okay. I got you. Remember how you got here, and the whole story how we found this house was a miracle to begin with. Remember, I got you here. If I got you here, and you trusted me in getting you here, what makes you think I'm not going to allow you to stay here? So I have to learn how to trust God with things. And once that kicked in in my life, then I'm able to sit back and enjoy this home that God has given to us. If I took care of you then, I'm going to take care of you now. If I took care of you last month, do you think I'm just going to up and leave you this next month? Trust me. Trust me. And when you trust, you're able to rest. This was what it means to trust God. This is what it means to say that God isn't stressed. Why would I ever be stressed how often am i freaking out or panicking keeping myself up all night stressing stress eating stress drinking whatever you do when you're stressed how often do i start acting like judah and i'm looking back at the god at god and it's way too often that i act like judah and i look back at god and at that moment yesterday and that moment the other night god's saying hey do you see me panicking so why are you? Jesus says this to his followers in, in Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more, more important than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about your clothes? See the flowers, how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or they don't spin. And I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what are we going to eat? 
What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Well, the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But here's what you do. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on his own. Trust. Today, what is God asking you to trust in him for? What's the small step that you can trust? The ride home. Maybe there's a situation at home you're not really excited about. Can you trust him with that? What's on the docket for tomorrow that you can say, you know what? Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. I don't need to worry about that. The birds have food. God will take care of me. Seek first his kingdom and watch him take care of you. I have a bird feeder out my door. I got my bird feeder about 12 years ago when I was having some problems with trusting. And it's a reminder for me that those birds have food. Now I put the seed in there and I got the birds to come. But every time I see this bird come and eat, I'm reminded God takes care of that bird. He can take care of this, whatever I am, bird. God can take care of those people. God can take care of you. Can you trust him to do that? And then when you trust, rest. Take a breath. Take a break. Rest. Why? God's not panicking. God's not overworking. Why should you? Pray with me. Father, may you prove yourself to us in a way that you want us to trust you. You want us to take the leap. You want us to have faith. You want us to take that, that step into the unknown. And so God, just like you met the people of Israel on that day where they were in their place, in their fear, in their lack of trust, will you meet us in ours? May we learn to jump into your arms that are strong enough to catch us. May we learn that you don't drop us. You ask us to jump again. And God, may we stop beating ourselves up for not trusting in you enough. Because you say, that's okay. Trust me tomorrow. Trust me for the next step. Trust me for the next breath. So God, would you meet us in ways that are completely out of the ordinary? May we see your hand working in our lives. And may we trust it. And Lord, because of that trust, may right now you take the weight and the pressure off of us. For some of us, will you just give us a big, deep breath that says, you have this. I'm going to trust you with this and I'm going to walk away. Why? Because you will and you do supply all of whatever we need according to your riches in Christ Jesus, which is a lot. May we trust. May we rest. May we take the leap knowing that you will catch us. 
Jesus' name.